Hello, listeners, and welcome to the 13 Weeks of Halloween. <laughs> Hello. Hello. What's going on? Not an awful lot. How are you? I'm okay. More awake <laughs> now than I was before. Good. <laughs> <laughs> All of our patrons know uh, because they listen to the minisode. We uh, we record every Sunday uh, and we do the minisode first and then we record the main episode of the week. Today... For reasons I won't get into because we already had a very long discussion about it in the minisode, uh, we did end up having to record much earlier than we normally record. Yeah. We usually record around like five or six at night. Mm-hmm. This week, we are doing it at 11 o'clock in the morning, which has been a challenge because this is a time of day I'm usually not even fucking awake. So <laughs> uh, I have been a bit discombobulated. My brain is basically jello. I don't know where I am or what I'm doing. But I'm very happy to be here. <laughs> and we have something of a serious topic today. So, yeah. <laughs> I know. I, I'm like a little worried about having this conversation today because <laughs> I'm I'm like punchy. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't know if this is a punchy topic. Although this is a comedy podcast. So yeah. I don't see why we can't have a comedic conversation no, about this th- movie. I don't think that we can't. No. But uh, we'll, we'll get to it. Yeah. <laughs> How was your week? It was okay. Um, like I said in the minisode, I took a couple days off to read, so mm-hmm. I wasn't work, work, work the entire time. That's exciting. Which is kind of nice. Um, I'm kind of weirdly anxious about the upcoming week, because by the time this has aired, um, Sarah will have gone back to school for the first time in a year and a half. She'll <laughs> be teaching on campus. Mm-hmm. And it's like, We've been joking about the cats having separation anxiety, but I also haven't, like, not had my wife in the house for a single day in over a year and a half. So I'm like, <laughs> I'm not sure how I'm going to handle it because it's like, I'm going to be texting her every five minutes going, are you okay? Like- if I were you, I would like, I would be running around the house like naked throwing parties. <laughs> I would just be like dancing naked to music in the living room because... David and I have had this conversation during the pandemic. It's mm-hmm. like, I love him more than anyone in the world. Mm-hmm. But on the few occasions we have had reason to be apart during yeah. the pandemic, it's like, oh, we both kind of enjoyed like alone the, time. Al- the alone time. Yeah. And it's like, it's not that I don't want to be with him. It's that having like a space to yourself for a little while mm-hmm. especially after being in a situation for a year and a half that has required us to constantly be in the same room it's like well it's kind of nice to have 10 minutes to yourself i think you'll enjoy it more than you think you will yeah i can see how that would be i mean i'm going to be in my office and generally speaking that's my alone time anyway mm-hmm. so 
I'll probably be fine. Yeah, you probably won't even really notice. It's just... I'm a little worried about her going back to campus because of the stupid Delta variant. So it's like... I'm sure that she will be fine. She, you're, You guys are going to get your boosters anyway. Yeah. And uh, the Delta variant has not proven to be uh, particularly uh, vicious against vaccinated people. And you are yeah. both vaccinated. So <clears throat> I, could she get sick? It is a possibility. Is she going to be deathly ill? Most likely not. I know. It's, it's just, it's strange. It's, I, like I said, I'm just so used to her not going Mm -hmm. that it's just, it's going to feel weird that she has to go twice a week. I mean, that makes sense to me. The idea of it being strange, her going back makes sense to me, but don't, I, if I were you, I would not be worried about her in terms of COVID because Mm -hmm. you have to think I work in bars and clubs yeah. and things and you're around me every week like yeah i know <laughs> I'm, and i'm fine <laughs> i get covid tested all the time i have not tested positive so far and i just knocked on wood um and it's just about being careful you know you know that sarah's not going to be like out there letting people spit in her mouth <laughs> so what so what do you have to worry about no but she's gonna be around college students and college students are just yeah, but they will be wearing masks, and I'm sure Sarah will, like, put up a plastic barrier in front of her desk. <laughs> probably. Knowing your wife. <laughs> She'll probably have, like... Uh, a small moat. A small moat. Or even, I wouldn't be surprised if she had, like, uh, what's it called, like, when you get on a spaceship and they, like, spray you? Oh, a decontamination I Like, she'll probably have a decontamination thing on, on the door of her classroom, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> That's not entirely inaccurate, no. I'm surprised they haven't done things like that so far. <laughs> this would be a bitch to install everywhere. I mean, what can you do? Yeah. This is this is 2021. So. We were supposed to have flying cars. Meanwhile, we can't even contain a virus. We're like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, can we get one thing right? Yeah, we can't convince like half the population of this country that this is a big deal. And like 300,000 people have died. <laughs> it's insane to me. And every single day someone i'm friends with on facebook will inevitably post something and be like i just don't trust it i just don't trust it and it's like girl that's how i feel about you now like (laughs) when this is all over when when we have this thing under control when and it will come there will come a day when covid is not that big a deal anymore the only thing i'm not going to trust is half of america (laughs) Like, how can we have the easiest access to the vaccine and still such a low vaccination rate? It's insane to me. Yeah, I can't figure it out. I And they're like, I don't know what's in it. I'm like, I watched you do poppers on a dance floor while you were rolling on G. I think you can fucking <laughs> get the vaccine, you fucking bitch. Like, just go do it. Nobody cares. It's also just like you've had like 20 vaccines in your life. You didn't know what was in any of them. I know. Like, and I don't know where, like, it, this happened. At, I know we've talked about this before, but it, like, it happened at the worst moment because you already had the anti vax movement, which is like fucking nonsense. And if you are an anti vaxxer and you listen to this podcast, you can turn it off right now and go think about what you did. Uh, <laughs> because I'm not going to sit here and say, like, oh, well, we all have to respect our. No, you are, uh, you are garbage. <laughs> I, and I say that with, with full intensity. 
<laughs> I remember when I was in Washington uh, at, at the impeachment hearings, this woman came up to me and she was like, oh my God, so exciting to see someone like you here. And I was like, oh, thank you. And she was like, oh, we're here for this thing. Blah, 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 blah. It's a conversation about vaccines. And she was like, I'm Dr. So-and-so. And I was like, oh, how cool. I was like, thank God you're here. Like, blah, 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 to talk about vaccines. And she handed me like a flyer and then like walked away. And she was like, a quote unquote doctor who had like a PhD in underwater basket weaving and was there <laughs> as part of the anti-vax movement. And I literally like tore it up and threw it on the floor. I was like, I can't believe I even <laughs> fucking touched this. I was like, I was like, you fucking asshole. How dare you hand me this shit? Um, so don't come to me with anti-vax bullshit. I will shut it down. I hate it. The whole like it changes your DNA. It's like, girl, can you fucking not? Where did yeah. you even come up with this? Yeah. Where do these people come up with this? They're like, mRNA, blah, 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 blah. I was like, no, it it teaches your DNA, not even your DNA, it teaches your white blood cells to fight the virus. That's all it does. That's all it does. It doesn't yeah. change your DNA. No. So stop it. No, it's just people, at the risk of sounding like a jerk, people are fucking stupid. And it's it's that men in black quote. It's a person is smart. People are stupid. And if you get enough people in the same room saying the same thing, people will follow it. And it's like, I don't get how anyone could be this stupid. It's like and and honestly, it's like we have touted this like freedom of speech thing for so long. And it's it's such a double edged sword because it's like I'm not anti freedom of speech, but Freedom of speech is dangerous. And if you're going to have something like as free speech and press as we do in this country, yeah. you need to be better about teaching people to be discerning. Yeah, And if anything has proven that, science. Facebook has done it. <laughs> Facebook has taught us that people do not know how to discern fact from fiction. No. I can't tell you how many people watch, like my um, drag queen story time video. Yeah. I can't tell you how many people post on, on still to this day, post on the YouTube video, like, I can't believe you would do this to children, ba 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 la 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 this, that, and the other thing, you shouldn't be around kids. And it's like, this was entirely scripted, it is a satire, mm -hmm. and you're an idiot. Yeah. Like, it is clear that it is satire, yes. in my opinion, and- I you forget how unsophisticated many people are. Yeah, I I don't get it. I, I just like <laughs> I I wish I had a better answer but like I don't fucking get it. And maybe that's just me speaking from a place of privilege like I'm I was lucky enough to be able to have access to to education and to things like that. But like basic fucking deduction. <laughs> is kind of a thing that i i expect most humans to have yeah me too and like three hundred thousand people are dead in this country let's let's ignore is the rest six? of the world is it closer to six now i think it's like six hundred thousand shit yeah <laughs> it's been a while since i checked yeah <laughs> but like that's just granted in the last like six months it's yeah. like 99.9 percent unvaccinated people so yeah i know but like <laughs> with that knowledge 
that there is a vaccine that could prevent this from happening to you. What on earth could be your reasons for not getting it? And it's not just like, I was reading an article the other day about healthcare workers who were protesting their fucking hospital because their hospital said they had to get vaccinated. And I'm like, you're a fucking doctor. <laughs> like, are you seriously? And and it was, it's a freedom of choice. I don't know what's in it. I think it was made too fast. And I'm sitting here going like, did you flunk med school? Yeah. Like, it really <laughs> puts into perspective. Because we've had conversations in the past when we're like, we've talked about like how women and particularly women of color have such a hard time like getting their doctors to like believe them about their yeah. illnesses and their symptoms and and things like that and it's like oh doctors are not that much smarter than anyone else they a- might be good at studying not <laughs> like they might be good at memorizing facts to get past a a fucking medical exam but like if and- if you can believe in the anti-vax movement yeah you are not smart enough, in my opinion, to work as a as someone who saves lives. <laughs> I I just and even like in the article it was saying they didn't even have to get the vaccine. They had to get the vaccine or get tested once a week. Yeah. And they're still protesting. I know. And I'm sitting here going, they gave you an option I know. to not get the vaccine. So what the fuck are you yelling about? Well, and that's like the which thing. I think is stupid to start with that they even gave you the fucking option. I agree. <laughs> I agree personally. But then second, it's like, this has always been, and uh, you know, here we go. We're going on our our Republican diatribe again. But this has always been my issue with people who describe themselves as conservative. It's like, they will complain and complain and complain about shit. And then you're like, okay, well, we'll give you this option or we'll give you this option or we'll give you this option or we'll give you this option. And they're like, no. No, it's like, it's like legislating with a toddler, you know, they're like chicken nuggets or death. There's no diff. There's no in between. It's like you give them exactly what they want or there's nothing. There's no other option. And it's like, okay, we have given you 16 solutions to this problem and you have said no to all of them. But you, you, it's, and it's like, you sit here and you say, I want to be able to go into a store without a mask. And we say, okay, you can go into a store without a mask if you get vaccinated. And they go, well, I don't want to get vaccinated. And then you say, okay, well, then you have to wear a mask. And they're like, but I don't want to wear a mask. And it's like, <laughs> you know what's coming next. Yeah. Uh, like, you've been given options. Yeah. To get the vaccine if you want to. If you don't want to, you got to wear a mask because you're, you're going to get yourself and other people sick. Th- that's the end of the story. Yeah. And it's like, they don't want to. And yeah. it's like, I don't give a fuck if you don't want to. I wanted to get married for 30 years, but nobody would let me. Yeah. <laughs> so fuck off. <laughs> and on top of it, if that's even a false equivalency, because in my case, I was right. <laughs> <laughs> because you were actually stealing my rights, not just telling me that I have to care about other people. That's the I... thing that kills me. It's like... And obviously, this is not all conservatives, because we know a lot of conservative people who have been vaccinated and believe in science. But the loudest, the squeakiest wheels yeah. are are the ones who, it's like, it's just so infuriating that, 
you can't convince it's like no you can't just do whatever you want the world does not bend to you (laughs) you know what i mean you can't just pretend covid doesn't exist and say well i'm going to do this it's like no you can't just put everyone around you at risk because you decide it's the it's like the gun thing yeah i know i mean there are liberal anti-vaxxers too which i and i know which is its own form of shame for me but like i like are you stupid (laughs) like like that's the only thing and i hate i hate calling other people stupid i think it's like the worst possible thing you can say to someone is that they're stupid but like this is behavior that warrants it at a certain point when i because here's the thing if i call someone stupid i am not calling them well not necessarily i am not necessarily calling them inherently stupid Mm -hmm. i am talking about the thing you are doing right now you're fucking stupid yeah. Because what you're doing is stupid. And it's not like, it's not a mistake. Because yeah. it's like, you, everyone has, said, we're, we're back to Sleepy Hollow. We're like, we told you. Everybody, Everybody told, told you. you. Yes. And it's like, you have had this explained to you several hundred times. And you have made the active decision to be blind to that. And it's like, there's no other way to describe that but stupid. Well, I mean, it's also you have the issue of misinformation and they don't believe the media and you had Fox News for a long time saying that this wasn't a fucking big deal. And they've since backed off on that for some reason. I I can't figure out why Fox News just finally figured out that they were killing their base. (laughs) But like, (laughs) and you know, it's like, that's the thing that doesn't make sense to me. It's like, you want to talk about how like, everyone should have a gun or everybody should be a a Christian or whatever, like whatever they talk about on Fox news is, is their fucking business. But it's like, just from a strategical strand, a standpoint, like you're going to convince your base that, that a deadly pandemic doesn't exist so that they'll go out and get it. I, I don't understand. What was the point to get your entire base sick? Yeah, I I don't understand it. It's especially when they're saying that, but then all the anchors go and get vaccinated. Yeah, all the politicians go and get vaccinated. Yeah. Like Donald Trump got vaccinated the second that thing came out. Fucking uh, McConnell, McConnell, and and Rubio, and all those motherfuckers who've been sitting here. Ted Cruz mm-hmm. sitting here telling their their constituents, "Oh, it's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal." Meanwhile, day one, they've all got a fucking shot, yeah. and it's like, go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself, because then you knowingly did this, and I can't even figure out why. Yeah, I can't figure it out either. And it's one of the things that bothers me about current Republican politics is they think their base is stupid. Yeah. Like, and occasionally they're right. But, (laughs) like, they don't have any regard for the well-being of the people who support them. Mm -hmm. And I don't understand why people can't see that like i i I understand that the same is true for centrist democrats i was going to say (laughs) (laughs) i was like i don't i was like i don't disagree with you by any means but i will also say that there are a bunch of democrats who i feel the same way about so (laughs) yeah i know and i'm not we've we've talked about my views on this before i know so we're not going to get into that again i know we can't like Particularly from the Republican side, especially since at, mm, I hate doing this. Um, <laughs> Just do it. Just do it. Especially since 
their base tends to be more rural. They tend to have less access to education. They ha- mm-hmm. they tend to be more susceptible to misinformation. It's just, it feels like you're picking on somebody. And yeah, it's like... Because these are people who have limited resources. And yeah. when you look at someone with limited resources and convince them that someone else is taking all their resources, yeah. and you look at them and tell them that the, the resources you're getting aren't as good as the ones those rich people are getting, yeah. it's like, they're going to believe you. Yeah. Because you're 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 feeding into the idea that that this is this is a situation that they are experiencing because of this reason. You give the if you give them a good reason to believe it, they'll believe it. And it's like, well, they don't they don't have information that proves that wrong. Yeah. No. But anyway, but anyway. Uh, I did have an, a good experience this week. Yeah. I know last week we were uh, talking about Sleepy Hollow. Yes. And uh, the legend of Sleepy Hollow in particular mm-hmm. uh, by Washington Irving. And I will say, A, Jessica reached out to me after the episode to tell me that she wants to go to the Pumpkin Blaze this year. Okay. And so that is definitely on the books now. We are mm-hmm. making plans. Uh, that's number one. Number two, I listened to the audiobook in the car on the way to Fire Island oh, the okay, other day. okay, cool. And I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. You've read it before, right? Yes, I have. Uh, it's been I, a long time, but yes, I have. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It is a bit dated. And if I'm not mistaken, this actually is a good tie into the the topic this week. Um, it was written in 1820. So, yeah, yeah it is. Uh, there, there is some language. And it, it's very short, but... I don't think any less noticeable um, in the story where mention is made of people of color. Yeah. And they're not nice terms. No, they're not. And so any person of color who is listening, who was thinking about reading the story, be aware that it does include um, offensive, I'll just say it, offensive language. And it is, it is something that did turn me off because it seemed frankly unnecessary in in the context of the story but uh generally speaking obviously the story was good i actually will say i don't think washington irving is a very good writer great story writer like (laughs) Mm -hmm. great at coming up with stories yeah but i don't think his writing was that impressive okay uh not only for what i was mentioning before but he had a tendency to Almost in like bursts, repeat words. Yeah. Like he used the word repose several times in like a couple of paragraphs. And mm-hmm. I was like, this is a very unusual word to kind of just pepper, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I don't know. I, that was how I felt about it. Okay. I mean, it was 1820. It was a bit different. That's literally now over 200 years ago. <laughs> I know. And, and, you know, like I said... <clears throat> It did turn me off a bit having uh, the the language that he had included about the the servants yeah. in the book, in the story. I will say, though, I listened to the audiobook on YouTube <laughs> <laughs> because I didn't want to use my Audible credit. Uh, and it's in the public domain. So I was like, there must be an audiobook on YouTube. And there was. And it was read very well by uh i can't remember her name but they did it as kind of like part of a teleplay okay and it was um it was 
overall entertaining, although I thought the actors took linguistic liberties <laughs> in because they would do like background conversation. Okay. And there's like, there's one point, because basically the story goes at the end of the story, you're not sure if he died or lived, Ichabod yeah. Crane. And they're like, rumor has it that he moved away and became a lawyer and blah, 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 blah. And at one point you hear the actor who was playing Ichabod in the background say like, if the glove doesn't fit, you must acquit. And it's like, <laughs> this is, first of all, it's tacky. It, it is a little bit, Second, yeah. it's like, doesn't, it, it, it like pulled me out of the story. Yeah. And I don't like that. Yeah, no, that that's an interesting choice. Because it's like, the the actors doing the stuff in the background were clearly like just having fun and it's like okay but at a certain point you can't just be having fun you actually have to be telling the story you're telling yeah you know and so that became a bit annoying i was put off by it don't listen to that one <laughs> but i liked the because first i started that one and i didn't like the teleplay stuff and then i started an audiobook that was on uh, Spotify, mm -hmm. but I didn't like that it was read by a man. I liked the female okay. narrator. Uh, per and in particular, the one who read this version. So I chose to listen to the teleplay just for her telling of the story mm -hmm. because I liked the sound effects and things that they added. It was just the actors that I loathed. Okay. So it was like, <laughs> I, can, I can put up with that for the good reading of the story. Yeah. That was my feeling on it. Um, but, but speaking, anyway. speaking of, uh, <laughs> we are not here to talk about Sleepy Hollow this week since we talked about it last week. This week, we are talking about a much more culturally relevant movie. <laughs> <laughs> we are talking about a brand new movie. As a matter of fact, it is less than a week old if you're listening to this on our release date. We are going to jump into the brand spanking new. Would you call this a reboot? I would probably call it a sequel. Really? Yeah, I would consider it a sequel, ignoring two and three. Sort of the same way I would consider Halloween 2018 a sequel, ignoring the rest of the, the franchise. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I guess that's fair. <laughs> I'm I'm trying to like I came out of this movie really like I there was so much to could like it's a heavy movie. It is a heavy movie. It's a very heavy movie. <laughs> um but before we get into it, we are jumping into <laughs> Candyman by Jordan Peele. Um it was produced by Jordan Peele and it was written by Jordan Peele, Wynn Rosenfeld, uh, who is the director, and Nia uh, DaCosta. Nope. Nia DaCosta is the director. What did I say? You said uh, the second name was the director. Wynn Rosenfeld. Yeah. That's what I said. Yeah, no, but Nia DaCosta is oh, the I director. Oh, I thought, are you sure? I'm pretty sure. Oh, you're right. Nia DaCosta <laughs> is the director. Um, uh, yes, Nia DaCosta is the director. Um, but, and it was written by Nia DaCosta, Wynn Rosenfeld, and Jordan Peele. Um Oh, and I guess, yeah, IMDb does describe it as a sequel to the horror film Candyman that came out in 1992. Um, this one obviously came out in 2021, although David pointed out something kind of uh, funny. Okay. Which I did not 
re- I didn't see it all mm-hmm. when we first viewed the movie. Um, when they're in the art gallery. Yeah. Oh, by the way, before I get into this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, this is going to be heavy on spoilers. So, uh, we are not holding back. We are not, we, we will be having spoilers about content. We will be having spoilers about, uh, storylines. We will be having, uh, spoilers about characters and, uh, appearances and all kinds of things. We are not pulling back on anything. So if you have not seen the movie yet and you don't want anything spoiled, now is the time to listen later. (laughs) Turn it off and listen later. Otherwise you can continue listening. Um, when they are in the art gallery and that girl is looking at the sheet that describes uh, Anthony's work, work, yeah. it says 2019 because uh-huh. that was when the movie was originally supposed to come out. <laughs> I thought it was supposed to come out in 2020. Or I guess it was 2020, but it, at the time, 2019 would have made more would sense. Would have made more sense, yeah. Which m- makes me wonder why they didn't put 2020 on the sheet of paper, knowing it would come out in 2020. It's an interesting question. I I don't know why they did that. Um, I mean, I do remember it saying that it was, you know, 2019 in the opening because it, mm. we jumped from 1977 to 2019. And but, such an easy thing to fix. I wonder why they didn't. I don't know. Like, why didn't they just put 2021? I guess at that point, it's like, well, it's not that big a difference. Like, who no. cares? But there was a part of me that was like, huh. I wonder why they didn't change it to 2021. I don't know. Because they could even do that on the sheet of paper. The, you know, it's not well, actually not they, even that hard. They had to account for why everybody wasn't wearing masks. Oh, that's true. I didn't <laughs> consider that. Huh. Maybe that maybe that was the reason. Yeah, maybe it's it's a pre-pandemic period piece. Hmm. That's horrifying. Um <laughs> we do have some uh some notable Actors in this, we have uh, Yaya Abdul-Mateen II, who played Anthony McCoy. We have Tiana Paris, who played Brianna Cartwright, his girlfriend. We have uh, Nathan Stewart Jarrett, who played Troy Cartwright, who is uh, uh, Brianna's brother. Mm -hmm. We have Coleman Domingo, who played William Burke. And we have uh, Vanessa Williams. Not Vanessa Williams, Vanessa Williams. (laughs) But she is uh, the other Vanessa Williams. <laughs> uh, who was in the original Candyman. Yes. And she makes an appearance in, in this one. She plays Anne-Marie McCoy. That is a... Uh, uh, not a not a significant spoiler yet, but uh, no, it, it was kind of in the trailer because she was in the trailer. So, but you didn't know who she was in the trailer. I mean, I knew who she was in the trailer. Did you? Yeah. How? She looks the same. Oh no, I I mean who she was as in like oh, okay as in like how she was related to to Anthony. That was not explicitly stated in the trailer. No. You inferred it? Yeah. I kind of had a feeling that was where they were going. And when they brought her back, it was like, well, what purpose could Mm. she serve other than... For him to be the baby. Yeah. (laughs) We're starting off off by ruining everything right here in (laughs) the beginning. Yeah, no, I I had kind of figured that part out from the trailers. And I I wasn't shocked when it was confirmed. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. Uh, 
I will also say, um, we might as well just say this right off the bat. There is a special appearance yes. by the one and only yes. Tony Todd, the original Candyman. <laughs> of course. Thank goodness, because if there hadn't been, I think everyone would have been disappointed. There's no reason not to include him. No. I mean, uh, sorry. Sorry. What I was going to say is I, I don't, I don't mind that he wasn't the Candyman this time. Yeah. But it kind of made me, like, even after watching it, I'm like, couldn't he have been, though? I mean, I think the idea is Candyman is a spirit, so he doesn't age. So, mm. And Tony Todd has obviously aged since 1992. I mean, so they de-aged him in the movie. They did de-age him. <laughs> but it was... <laughs> Quite obviously. I think it's a lot cheaper to do it for, like, two seconds than it is to do it for the Listen, entire film. I'm going to say this. <laughs> If you can digitally enhance Angelina Jolie's boobs for the entirety of Tomb Raider, you could de-age Tony Todd for this movie. Get the scotch tape and let's do it. Yeah, I guess. He doesn't even look that old these days. No, he doesn't. He doesn't look that much older, but it, it would have been noticeable. From- it would have. I mean, yeah, but, you know, you get the you get the Drag Race season one filter and you go to town. <laughs> Just keep his face in shadow for the entire movie. Yeah, I don't know if that makes it better or worse. <laughs> to be honest, not. Um, you you just fucking uh, keep his face in shadow the whole time, and then at the very end, you only have to edit his face once. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was really happy though at the end when they included him because I had a moment where I'm like, we're seriously not going to see Tony Todd in this entire fucking movie, and it was like the very it was end the of the very movie. end, and it was. It was perfect the way they did it. Yeah. And I like what they did with him. But like, yeah, no, there was a little part of me that was sad it wasn't Tony Todd the whole way through. But like, yeah, it I really, understand why. And I mean, Michael Hargrove, who played Sherman Fields, who is the Candyman yeah. in this movie, did a great job. Yeah, he did. Really enjoyable. I enjoyed his performance. Uh, he it there, like there was nothing wrong with it. But I will say. I, I don't know. Uh, you know, when Tony Todd is still around, it's like, well, why not Tony Todd? That yeah. was that was my only justification. Yeah, no, I, th- I think it was an age thing. Yeah. And it's nothing against Michael Hargrove. He did a great no, job. No, he did a wonderful job. Uh, it, 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 just a personal, a personal little hang up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, generally speaking, we are back in Cabrini Green. Kind of. <laughs> yeah, sort of. We are in Chicago, and uh, this story takes place around uh, a gentleman named Anthony McCoy, who uh, is dating his girlfriend, Brianna Cartwright, who is an art agent? Curator. Curator? Yeah. Um, and he is an artist. He is a visual artist. He decides to make... He is inspired to make... Uh, a new art series because he is told that his groundbreaking work was no longer groundbreaking. He decides to get back into the, the racial divide in America by visiting Cabrini green, the infamous uh, projects in Chicago where uh, so many awful things had happened. And he wants to tell the story of Cabrini green uh, through his artwork and highlight the effects of gentrification and whitewashing Mm -hmm. in Chicago. Uh, 
then of course <laughs> yeah can't go to cabrina green without coming back with a little candy so uh <laughs> he comes back with a jawbreaker and uh he gets stung by a bee while he's yeah, there which taking is an photos. important plot point because it is just disgusting from that moment on you know <laughs> watching this movie i was like i was like Every time, because he he gets stung and it's like a little swollen. And then in the next scene, he's got like a rash. And then the next scene, his arm is falling off. It's like, (laughs) there's, it is just the most chaotic injury. And I'm like, I would have, I I understand about myself that I am a hypochondriac. Yeah. But if I had been stung by a bee, five minutes before that, I would have been at the doctor's office being like, I think I'm going to get stung by a bee. And this guy is like literally on fire. And he's like, ah, I'll go to the doctor later. Yeah, no, I think I probably would have gone to the doctor after it like swelled to the point that it was just a giant boil and like yeah. it had like all kinds of nasty shit around it. Or at it. the very least, once it becomes an open wound, yeah, don't you, you go to something? the doctor. Yeah. And he's like picking at it. And I'm yeah. like, Anthony, <laughs> stop it. Which just I had to look away from the screen every time he was like playing with it because I'm like, this is the this is the grossest <laughs> thing I've ever seen. <laughs> You're like candy move. <laughs> No one could even bring Candyman back because they couldn't get through the name thinking about Anthony's hand. They're like, Candy. Everyone's just the entire movie is just people meeting Anthony and then dry heaving. He's like, I was Hi, like, I'm Anthony. Why? Holds out his hand to shake, and you're like, No, I'm good. <laughs> like, Thank no, you. I'm, I'm good. That looks infectious. <laughs> And that's the other thing. It's like in the age of COVID, there's a part of my brain that's like, just like red sirens going off. And it's like, please don't go to the doctor, Anthony. I have to say, and I know we already dedicated a lot of this episode to COVID. But like like, watching them walk around the art gallery without masks on was like bizarre to me. I'm I'm like, I don't understand. Like, I'm not one of those people who's been like weirded out by TV shows and shit, but I was weirded out, like, watching there be that many people in a room and no one was wearing a mask. Mm. And it was like, it's like, yeah, this is 2019. It's yeah, gotta be 2019. And, and clearly, like, before anyone even had to get tested on set. Yeah. So it's like, oh, to, to be back. Yeah. <laughs> Who knew we'd be wishing to go back three years? <laughs> um, but anyway. But anyway, yeah, the hand was absolutely disgusting. It really affected me. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say it's been a long time since I've seen the original Candyman. Mm-hmm. Have you seen it recently? Um, I watched it, I think about a year ago. I watched it when I first heard that this one was coming out. In preparation. Yeah. Or just because you just, were reminded? Just because I was reminded and I was feeling a little nostalgic and wanted to watch it. Mm. But um, I can't remember. Which might be how I figured out that it was the baby because I think I did watch it. Mm. Like, see that's the thing I hadn't watched it in quite a while and so the baby just wasn't really on my mind <laughs> even though it does come up over the course of the movie obviously yeah. the beautiful animation and I wish yeah. I had looked up to see who did it um, they they really tell the story even I think it's in the beginning of the the film that they tell the original story and they even show the animation of like the baby being saved and the fire and, and all that but mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, 
I just forgot about it. Like, I forgot about the whole thing with the baby and, like, it didn't occur. Like, I forgot that the baby had been hers. Yeah. And so I didn't put the pieces together because I forgot about the pieces. Okay. (laughs) So, um, we have Art Direction by Jamie Primer and uh, Inez Rose. We have an extensive makeup department who can go fuck themselves. (laughs) For that hand. (laughs) Only for the hand. (laughs) I can't... uh, I'm having a... We have a concept artist who is Aaron Sims. I don't know if that necessarily means the... uh, The puppets. The art puppetry? Yeah. We have prop sculptors. Uh, uh, who knows? I'll I'll keep looking. But yeah. the point is, it did have beautiful animation. The animation in in the movie was really, in in my opinion, one of the best parts about it. Yeah, no, I thought it was really beautifully done, and it was very effective. Mm-hmm. Like, which when you're using paper puppets, I think is somewhat hard to achieve. But the fact that they were shadowed. They were shadow puppets on in addition to being paper like mm-hmm. it was I don't know if they were because I did just find we have the animation department and the animator was um I don't know if it's Felice or Felice uh Minieri mm-hmm. uh and then we have Taylor uh Muhobrak is the okay. animator for Luma Pictures. Okay. I mean I I'm sure it was computer generated but like Yeah, I don't know if they were practical puppets. Yeah, probably not. But But the effect was basically this like backlit (laughs) paper looking puppet scenario that came up repeatedly throughout the movie and was effective and interesting. Yeah. Um, I I thought it was really, really well done. It was actually one of my favorite parts of the movie. Did you have a favorite part of the movie? I think my favorite part of the movie is the decision to only show Candyman in reflections. Yeah. Until until the very very end. Like, yeah, I he thought doesn't... that was very smart. Well, yes and no. Because even at the in the scene where the um art director and that girl are yeah, trying you, to fuck. Do you see him? He comes out and kills okay. the girl. All right. Uh that's I thought the that first time scene in seen. the reflection. I could be wrong. I don't recall it being in the reflection, but that okay. scene also. Because then they show him like tearing the screen apart with his hook, but it's in the he, mirror. It's in the mirror and it's not. Yeah. It's hard to say. It was. Uh, I was also very tired last night. So <laughs> the, some of some of the more uh, nuanced effects may have been lost on me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know. But I was under the impression that. Candyman came out. Okay. Well, of the mirror. Yes. <laughs> he's he's like the Babadook. <laughs> it's just the Candyman and Babadook like partying <laughs> with uh with Brianna's brother. <laughs> Troy is his name. Who I did like. I liked him too. Um I didn't really like his boyfriend. Yeah, his boyfriend was a little weird. And honestly, I think that's part of a larger conversation in this movie. Yeah. This movie is very much about racism in America in 2020. Yeah. Uh, And it is very effective. But I will say... I I really... One of the things that I found challenging Mm -hmm. was... 
all of the bad guys in this movie are white. <laughs> and every white person who appears in the movie is a bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody but the boyfriend. I don't think he was yeah, a bad guy. But I even, mean, he's annoying, but I don't yeah. think he's a bad guy. And it, it wasn't unfounded. I understood no. what I understood why that was a thing. But as a white person watching the movie, it, I did find it to be challenging. I mean, I think it's kind of supposed to be. And I and that was the thing. Like, I yeah. knew that was what it was supposed to be for me. And so, like, that was fine. But I, there were moments where I found it distracting. Okay. Um. And obviously, I'm not saying that this is a bad thing. I'm just saying, like, I'm giving, like, the 100% honest answer of, like, right. my my experience of this film. There was one scene where I, f- I forget what they said. Oh, I, I remember what it was. They were like, well, sh- th- th- he was like, maybe we should say Candyman five times. And they were like, well, who would say Candyman five times? And then it cuts immediately to a white teenager. Yeah. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, I was a white teenager and I would not have done that. <laughs> <laughs> you never did Bloody Mary? No, I don't think I have. I did. Did you? Yeah, a couple times, I think. Because I, mean, I feel like I, 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 mean, I, know. I mean it was every sleepover ever. You did I Bloody definitely Mary. did uh Light as a Feather, Stiff as a Board. I don't yeah. know if I ever did Bloody Mary. But the fact of the matter is the commentary in that moment was it was less effective and more like like a punch. Okay. To me. That that was a moment where it like sucked me out. Because it wasn't like this is how white society is failing people of color in this country it was like it was more of like a jab okay and that was that made it challenging for me as a viewer in that moment but i understand that it's not necessarily intended for me so it's like whatever um that that said i do think that the overarching message overarching overarching Overarching, I guess. Uh, message of the film is valid and is important, especially in where we are today. And something that was pointed out to me, we went to see this uh, this movie and um, it, it, it became immediately apparent, I think, to anyone who watched the movie that 2020 had not happened yet. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, well... We hadn't had Brianna Taylor. We yeah. hadn't had uh, Ahmaud Aubrey. We yeah. hadn't had um, uh, the the gentleman in in I think it was Texas. Oh my God! What was that young man's name? Elijah. I don't remember his last name. I can't remember his last name, and I apologize. Um, but there there were so many instances in 2020 yeah. alone <clears throat> that led to uh, a really huge furthering of the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, granted, we have not seen any substantial change. So no. I will say the, the Black Lives Matter movement had a significant uh, amount of attention paid to it in 2020. I think there's a lot more that we need to do to a- address <laughs> the the core of the issues. Infinite things to do. Infinite things to do to address <laughs> the core of the issues. Um, I think, personally, the way they incorporated that into the mythology of Candyman mm-hmm. was really, really well done. Yeah, I thought it was too. I thought, <clears throat> excuse me. I mean, considering the original story, 
changing it up to be sort of this cycle that repeats, I mm-hmm. think, is a really smart move because it highlights the fact that this is not a thing that happens one off. This is a thing that happens all the time. Over and over and over again. Yes. And like, I thought that was beautifully done. I thought it was a really smart addition to the mythology. I thought that it made it more horrific than even maybe the original. Mm-hmm. So I'm totally I also, on board with that. I also liked that it kind of turned the original <laughs> on its head because I feel like in the original, you're kind of supposed to see Helen Lyle as like kind of a victim. Yeah. Whereas in this one, it points out that Helen Lyle really had no business being there in the first place. And and yeah. the gentrification of of spaces of people of color is what led to her demise anyway. Yeah, it was it was her for better for for lack of a better term, exploiting Yeah. Um the, Black this, people. <laughs> the, this urban legend. Yeah. And as a result exploiting people of color yeah and it kind of in a very in my opinion in a very creative way tied in the idea of like the frightened white woman yeah you know what i mean there because that is a very real thing you know the white woman starts crying and everyone starts grabbing pitchforks and who pays the price yeah innocent people of color and that is kind of i think what they were making a point about with helen lyle in this movie yeah and it was really well done and and i think really interesting uh i thought it just i really liked the way they shaped things in this movie you know i really think that they did a very good job crafting the storyline and i think they did a really good job using the source material Mm mm-hmm I, I definitely agree. Do you think do you think there's anything they could have done to uh further it in this movie? I don't know that there was. I think it might have been interesting because when we see those those puppets, the that animation, mm-hmm. we see several scenarios play out. I think it would have been interesting to see more Candyman, like mm. see him take on those different forms, I think would have been interesting because we see it as Sherman up until the very end. And not that Sherman isn't good enough, but I feel like particularly we see the animation of like the the young boy who dies in a in an electric chair. We see... Mm-hmm the gentleman who's dragged behind a truck. Like we see all of these things and it's, I feel like it would have been interesting and maybe frankly creepier if we had seen Candyman in several forms. You're saying all the different all people the different, who had been Candyman. Yeah, yes. I see what you're saying. Yeah. I, I agree. It, and it, you know, I will say this is where um, I think the conversation becomes, I, I want to say difficult, but I guess like it's it's almost hard for me to critique this movie because I don't want to. Because in my opinion, yeah, it's like I would love to see that, but it's like, well, would the 
what would they look like is the question. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, well, would the violence that they had suffered be depicted in, in the character? Or, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, and then at that point, is that triggering for people of color? So, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm not thinking because to be fair, like even in the original Candyman, like we don't see Tony Todd as he was when he died. Right. That's true. We see him as he was when he was alive. So I don't think with the right decision to not show them as they were when they died, I think it still could have been very creepy. Yeah, I agree. Even especially the idea of there being a child who was the Candyman. I think that that uh, would also be very creepy. Although I think it would have advanced the new mythology. Like mm-hmm. you, you would have to see him towards the end. Yeah. When we kind of realized what was going on. Right. Um, because I think to see, I think to see the young boy as mm-hmm. the Candyman early on would have probably given everything away. <laughs> That's fair. I I think it was given away enough by the fact that it, they gave the Candyman a new origin story. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to slightly disagree with that because it's, it's clear from the beginning that we're dealing with a different Candyman. So I mm. feel like it, it would have been confusing, but kind of in a good way mm. to show the others. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah, it would have been, it would have definitely been confusing, I think. Yeah. At least for me. I can't speak for everyone, but for me, it would have been a bit confusing. And I guess it would have, it might have been a bit distracting. Yeah, that's, that's fair. Huh. You know, I, I, I wonder, I wonder if I would have done that, because I, I I like the idea of a complex story being told in this instance, mm-hmm. it it's already a very complex story. I guess it just becomes challenging because then you get you you're kind of wandering into like the art house horror movie okay territory, and I'm like, well, the art house horror territory is not my cup of tea all the time, so it yeah. it can be a little. It can kind of go either way for me. That's fair. No, I think that's a, that's an astute point. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Speaking of all of this, did you like the ending of the movie? I did like the ending of the movie. I thought it was very smart. Um, I thought, especially again, using the new mythology, making Turning Candyman into a hero, mm-hmm. I think, was very, very smart, um, especially the way they did it. But, you know, you're worried about Brianna the entire end of this movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, legit worried about her. And then when you see her s- figure out what she's going to do, it's this anticipate anticipatory moment that you're like, okay, something cool is about to happen. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was a really... I thought it was a really satisfying ending. Yeah. I I think the very ending is satisfying. I mm-hmm. like that moment with Brianna. I, I had a hard time 
appreciating the moment with what's his name oh, from the Burke. La- Burke. Yeah. Uh, the gentleman from the laundromat. Yeah, it took I a little really, bit of a turn there. I didn't really understand the necessity of his involvement. I I think he's there to explain to the audience what's about to happen. Because he he says, I'm going to turn Candyman into this like avenging angel. Mm-hmm. And I think he's there to kind of explain to the audience what the ending of this movie is. And whether or not that's effective, that's I think depends, what I on, with. depends on the viewer. Yeah, because it's like, I, I understand why he was there technically, mm-hmm. but I almost didn't, I almost didn't understand like, it it seems so out of character for someone like that. Like, why victimize this young woman mm-hmm. to prove the point that that she would be victimized by the police? You know. Yeah. No. I I think the where that scenario falls apart is when he kidnaps Brianna. Like, it doesn't yeah. really make sense for him to do that. That's what like, I struggle. Everything with. he does with Anthony makes sense, but I don't think that having Brianna there was really there for anything other than. To up the stakes. It was to up... The, that's how I felt. I felt like it was there to up the stakes and to have a chase scene at the end. Because yeah. otherwise, what is the chase scene? Yeah. The only thing I could see is if it was somehow involving the police or a white person. If he mm-hmm. had crafted some kind of scenario right. where Anthony was put in a situation where he was made to look like the the you know stereotypical... Yeah, black criminal that is depicted by by white news (laughs) all the time. Yeah, that's I feel like that might have been more effective, maybe too real. Yeah, maybe too real. I I think that this movie is skirting a very fine line. Yeah, between being topical and and entertaining, entertaining, and it's you don't want it to be. Look at how horrible this is for an hour and a half. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's got to kind of Although reel you in with some other things. I don't think it pulls a lot of punches through the no, rest of the movie. No, I don't think movie. it pulls punches at all. But I do think that there are moments that are satisfying that don't necessarily have to do with that overarching plot. How do you mean? Um, <clears throat> For example, uh, I loved the kill with the art critic. Mm. And I think that that's there mostly to be an interesting kill. I don't know necessarily that you had to bring her back. Like even, even I mean, the, I feel even like the you girls did. in the school. After like, she said the racist shit she said at the art show, there was yeah. no way she shouldn't have died. No, I agree, but it's, I don't know how to put this. It's I, unnecessary I to the it, plot. I, I find it hard to believe that she would call him. So it seemed kind of wedged in a little bit. Well, the only thing I will say is that it almost makes sense when you're looking at this from a critical race theory perspective. Okay. Because it's like, well, what happened? She went and saw a black artist's work and said it was cliche and awful and called mm-hmm. him one of those people yeah. who moves in and dicks around in an apartment. Her words, not mine. Yeah. Um, uh, 
uh, in a studio, I should say, uh, and doesn't really accomplish anything of note, mm-hmm. uh, meaning artists of color. Yeah. <laughs> and then something significant happens and makes the work important, and mm-hmm. she wants to capitalize on that. And so I think it speaks to that idea of like white people constantly wanting to capitalize on the success that black people are already experiencing. Okay. Um, point redacted, I guess. I, I'm not saying point redacted. No, it's, it's, it, your your point is a fair point. I think that was just my interpretation of the moment. That's fair. I think the fact that she was trying to capitalize on the murders was the part that maybe made that difficult for me to see. Mm. Because it's she's literally just talking to him because it happened in front of his piece. Yeah. So it's it just seemed kind of odd to me. But I mean, it's it's a gorgeous moment and it's it's one of the coolest kills I think I've ever seen in a horror movie that Hmm. slow pan out where we just see her with no sound at all. What's happening to her and we we can't see Candyman. So it's just her flying around the room. Yeah. But like, (laughs) but I like that description of it. her flying around the room, but like a Sanderson. (laughs) That slow pan out where really all we can see is the illumination from her apartment in this high rise, I think was one of the coolest kills I've ever seen. It was incredibly satisfying and I thought Mm -hmm. really innovative and I really loved it. Yeah. And you know what is funny is that like, I, I kind of poked at this before, but it's like, obviously everyone who dies in this movie is somehow Mm -hmm. connected to his art piece yeah um and it's very clear that they're setting him up to be pursued by the police as a suspect yeah because it's like he's always the last person to see them right he's always the last person to have a bad interaction with them yeah it all happens centered around his art piece and so it's like they are setting up that chase aspect yeah but it almost feels like they never really accomplish it because then you have that moment with burke yeah, I th- I think that that's sort of a bait and switch. We're expecting it to go a little more like the original Candyman, where Helen is on the run from the police. Mm-hmm. And we're kind of twisting it up at the end to sort of be like, oh, that's not where we're going with it. So I think it was, they set it up like we were doing Candyman over again and then subverted it at the end. Yeah, and that's fair. I guess it's just, it's... So much of this teeters on an edge between two things. It's hard to tell which way they were they were trying to go. Yeah. And it's like, well, did you make the more artistic choice or did you make the more uh, easy choice? Did you make that? And, and that's where it becomes challenging because mm-hmm. it's like, well, was this what was the intention of this moment? And I find. I, I feel like I need to watch it again through a through a a more awake lens <laughs> to, to know <laughs> because I was so excited to watch this movie, but we had had such a long day yesterday yeah. that like by the time it turned nine o'clock and we were at the movies, I'm an old person. I was like, <laughs> I was like, I did not take my Centrum silver today and she's really paying for it. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I will say I did like the ending I liked the the message of the ending. I did really like uh 
that he kind of becomes the new Candyman, mm-hmm. and like you said, becomes a hero. Yeah, sort of an Avenger. And I a, guess. yeah, maybe not a hero. A hero uh, might an be anti-hero. Yeah, I would say an anti-hero is probably the best way to describe it. Okay. Um, he's kind of like a Deadpool. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. In a in a weird way, uh, I don't know. And there are so many kills in this movie. <laughs> that are uh that are effective in my opinion. Yeah. Um did you have a favorite? Um I mean I I'm sticking with the critic. You're I, sticking I, with I, the critic. I think that was my favorite one. Yeah. I I really I thought hers was the most creative. Mm-hmm. I liked the scene in the bathroom with the girls who yeah. do Candyman in the mirror. Mm-hmm. Um I was surprised that you weren't more upset that one of them was a queer woman. <laughs> I mean, it's not explicitly stated that she is. So it's... I suppose. <laughs> like, if you were the, watching the, the that hair, movie and you didn't see hair, a queer the woman. The haircut says queer, the earrings don't. But so you, can it's be, like, you, can be, uh, you can be a butch lesbian with earrings. With I big gold several. hoops? Yeah. Okay. I know several bu- bull dykes with, with uh, <laughs> earrings. I'm not saying you can't. I'm just saying it doesn't. It didn't read that way to me. Oh, it immediately. read that way to me. Okay, that's fine. And she also <laughs> said something at one point because they. She said, "Stop being a pussy," and the girl was like, "Well, a pussy is a beautiful thing," or something like that. Like, okay, or that, she, I forget exactly what the line was, but basically insinuating that she liked pussy. Okay, so I was like, I I assumed she was a lesbian. Okay. No, that makes did you, sense. Did that it's not just, read to you? I didn't. I don't want to say it didn't read to me because I had a moment where I'm like, okay, is she a dyke? But like, <laughs> <laughs> but like, it wasn't the first thing I thought when I saw her. Oh, it was the first thing I thought okay. when I saw her. <laughs> I was like, there's no way that this person is is not at least on some level a queer person. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't. I don't think it upset me that much. I, she was also clearly kind of a bitch, so it's like, well, you get what you come, what's mm. coming to you. But, like, you I know, was kind frankly of more worried about Troy and his boyfriend. Really? Yeah, I was. I was more worried that something bad was going to happen to them because it was kind of like I was kind of mad that nothing more happened with them, not necessarily yeah. to them, but with them, because I felt like. He was such a pivotal part of Brianna's story yeah. that it was like, well, where was he at the end when like the shit's really going down? Yeah. It felt like there was no real payoff. There was no payoff with him. Okay. Uh, and and I, I missed that. I also felt like then you get into a larger conversation of like, well, what kind of representation matters? Right. <laughs> you know, because it's like, this is a very important movie for people of color. Mm-hmm. And then you have what seems to be a white lesbian <laughs> being a villain. <laughs> and it's like, well, hold on a second. <laughs> Wait for us. <laughs> I mean, I don't think, again, I don't think that. I've also never met a racist white lesbian. <laughs> They exist. Um, Do they? Yeah, they exist. I feel like lesbians are are probably some of the most politically correct people I've ever met. Many of them are. Some of them are. I shouldn't say I've never a better... met a racist white lesbian. Okay. I've never met an ov- like like an overtly an overtly racist. racist. Okay, white lesbian. I have. 
Oh. Um, so <laughs> so um, that didn't bother me very much. Uh, I, I think particularly since it wasn't necessarily played off as explicitly racism. Like it could have been just like run of the mill bullying. They didn't say anything racist to the girl. They just kind of kicked at the door and said she was a mess. Mm. So like I'm not. I'm not 100% sure that that's a depiction that bothers me in any way. I mean, that's fair. That's fair. I guess it just didn't... It didn't read simply as bullying to me because all of the people who were doing it were white. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it was like, well... How could how could this be interpreted any other way, especially within the context of the movie? And yeah, no, I wasn't that's, bothered that's by that because I know that that racist bullying happens in schools. And so, like, that was not what bothered me about it. Mm-hmm. What what bothered me about it was more the depiction of a queer person as a bully. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's fair. I, I think that. That might be one of the reasons she didn't read particularly queer to me at first. Might be the fact that I'm like, she's fitting in very well with these other girls. <laughs> like, mm. like they're they're treating her fine. It's clear that they're all friends. Like, it just seems a little odd to me. But again, it's but then it's neither here uh, nor there. It is neither here nor there, but it's also like it kind of shows how far removed we are from <laughs> from from high when school. we were in high school yeah. <laughs> today because it's like in our day in our day i can't believe i just said that in all seriousness oh my god uh, I, i'm gonna i'm gonna open that window and jump now but um <laughs> in in our generation being gay in high school automatically puts you on the outs yeah and it's like i'm not saying that it's not an issue anymore but i you hear a lot more stories of queer people kind of openly dating yeah. and openly being out in high school now. Mm-hmm. Not in a, not in all places of the country, but it, it's it's not as socially unacceptable as it was. No, and so I think knowing that, I did just kind of assume based on the information that was presented mm-hmm. that she was a queer person. And okay. I'm curious if our listeners felt the same way. I'm curious if the listeners who saw the movie thought that she was a queer person. Yeah, no, it would be interesting to to hear. You need to let us know right now. <laughs> <laughs> right, Justin, let us know if you like how you interpreted that moment. Because on one hand it was like, well, obviously like racist bullies yeah. get what they get. Yeah. But then it was like, well, wait, why am I getting lumped in here? <laughs> you know, the like I I I was so I was like, "Ugh, that it it was frustrating to me because I was like, well, don't throw me under the bus." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that I think that the point is that white privilege is a thing that even that you have even if you're part of another mm-hmm. marginalized group and like, we see that with Avery, Troy's boyfriend. We see it with this girl. Yeah. So I think that, I think that's the purpose of including her if she's meant to be queer. Mm-hmm. I, I guess that's fair. I guess yeah. that's fair. <laughs> doesn't, it doesn't. Doesn't make you feel better? Make me feel better, but it <laughs> okay. does, it, it's fair. <laughs> All right. 
Um, what am I forgetting? Am I forgetting anything? I feel like the whole movie. But um, <laughs> what was your favorite kill? Oh, uh, because I was actually surprised how many kills were in this movie based on the original Candyman. I know there really aren't a lot of kills in the original. Yeah, no, it's not. It's not that bloody a movie. No, I feel. Um, it's hard to say. I mean, I really liked the end. Yeah. When when he killed all the cops. <laughs> I was like, because, Again, very satisfying. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> I, as someone who is not a person of color, have had really awful experiences with cops. And I can't imagine, like, my experiences are not even nearly as significant. So it's like, to, to see it, it, I hope that there was something cathartic in that for, for people of color, but to be like, yeah, don't fuck with us. <laughs> um, it was just nice to see the, the power dynamic change. Although it really does beg the question, what the fuck happened when the movie ended? Yeah. You know, yeah. because then you show up and all these cops are dead and there's this, a woman of color standing there and it's like well what happened next i mean she's already handcuffed i would <laughs> i mean that, <laughs> not that has I'm not saying... stopped them in yeah. the past <laughs> i mean that's fair that's that's a very good point restraint has never been I, I... <laughs> a, a, a pivotal moment <laughs> i i mean i think they would probably assume based on the fact that anthony's body is in the building that it was probably that he did it him but and he had I, the hook. And he had the hook. So it makes a lot, it makes a good deal more sense than the woman standing outside in handcuffs. But mm. again, that might not matter. I, well, so. and that's what, that was where I was coming from on yeah. it. It's like, well, you know, we're supposed to have this kind of like, I don't think in any way neatly tied up ending. No. But it was supposed to be like kind of a button on this moment. And yeah. I was like, this was not a button for me because <laughs> I was like, I was like, well, what the fuck happened to Brianna? Like this, this moment was uh, actually probably one of the most scary because it's like, well, what the fuck happened next? Yeah. Knowing what we know about these situations. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I did those. That was my favorite kill. Z- <laughs> <laughs> um, did you have a favorite scary moment? Uh, yes, actually, I did. I really liked the moment in the elevator when Candyman is on the roof. Mm. I thought that that was really well done. I, th- I think that was probably the only moment in the movie where I was like, oh, okay. Like <laughs> That was probably one of the only moments that I think... Uh, what, what's the wording I'm looking for? I think it was one of the only moments in the movie that like played into the typical horror scare. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it was the the most conventional scare, but I yeah. th- I did think it was effective. It was effective. I would say the one that scared me the most, not scared me the most, but one of my favorite ones mm-hmm. was in the beginning before you know anything about Candyman and yeah. about Sherman. Yeah. Um when the little boy is in the laundry room. Yeah. 
and the piece of candy comes flying out of the hole. Yeah. And I was like, oh, no. I was like, <laughs> leave this poor boy alone. He didn't do anything. He's yeah. doing the laundry. He'd listen to mom. Yeah, like, seriously. I was like, I was like, this boy does not deserve to die. Especially, I also had a moment where I'm like, Candyman doesn't fuck with kids. Like, like, I know. like, like well, he did Candyman steal alone. a baby. Well, I mean, he did. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, Candyman doesn't fuck with kids. I was like, literally the original movie, he tried to bring one into a fire. I mean, fair, but like, <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know. And it, it never, I never felt like Candyman was out to get children. Yeah. It never felt like he was, I don't want to say predatory, but like, I, I don't know what the word for it would be that we need a word in English that's like not necessarily sexually predacious, predacious. yeah <laughs> uh, uh toward children it, it's like there's no word for it but that's yeah. what I, it's like he, he doesn't feel that way yeah no I, um, I don't think so but again I could be wrong yeah I I think what it comes down to is that I really enjoyed this movie, but as a white person, I am absolutely sure that I did not understand it on the level that Nia DaCosta and Jordan Peele meant for an audience to understand it. Yeah, and that was kind of where I came from. Because, like, even in the moments of discomfort, it's like, well, I'm supposed to feel this discomfort. I understand that. So it's like... It's hard to process. And I think that is definitely part of the conversation that needs to be had about this movie is, like... As a white person, it's easy to get sucked into that feeling of, like, being, quote-unquote, victimized by a movie like this. Yeah. Because it's it's not easy to watch. It's not easy to take all of that in and to say, like, well, I'm not like that. I wouldn't do that. I, I you know, to yeah. have those emotions is is normal. And I think it would be dishonest, I think, even as... as liberal quote-unquote woke people for us to sit here and say that we didn't feel it i actually think it's important that we do say we felt it but that it's important to feel that way yeah no i agree um and it's important to understand that like that's the intention and that's how the change has to happen yeah is like more people should feel that way (laughs) yeah you're supposed to take this as an opportunity to kind of examine yeah it's a it's a learning moment yes Um, and again, I think a very effective one. Yeah, I agree. And I think it was a well done movie. I think it was well written. Uh, I I generally like Jordan Peele. So mm-hmm. uh, I think that was strong. And the other two writers, uh, Nia and um, oh God, why am I blanking? Wynn mm-hmm. uh, did a very good job putting this this movie together. I thought visually it was stunning. Yeah, it was beautiful. It was a beautifully done movie. Um because we talk a lot about like the the ambience of uh, of a movie, yeah. and this had great ambience. It really did. I I even think like the the credits were gorgeous, and like that was honestly one of my favorite parts of the movie. Like even the opening credits, where it's we're just going through Chicago with the camera pointed up. Like it's yeah, like, it's like it's still gorgeous. It but looks great. The the artwork at the end of the movie was like so. It was like heartbreaking, yeah, and and really just like effectively done. I I don't know. At I, I, one of my favorite parts was the art direction in this movie. Yeah, uh, no, it was it was all beautiful. Yeah, I will say I will say I I really enjoyed it. 
Um, am I forgetting anything? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think, you know, if you haven't seen the movie, you definitely should go out and see it. It's a really, <clears throat> really great new take on the story. It's a really great addition to the the franchise. I uh, I hope that there will be a new Candyman 2. I hope there will be too. I, th- I think it would be really interesting to see where they take it. Yeah, I agree. Um, that said, if you've seen it, let us know what your thoughts were. Let us know if we missed something. And uh, uh, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> we'll be back next week here on My Spooky Gay Family with a new main episode wherever you're listening. And we will also have a new mini-sode out on patreon.com slash myspookygayfamily. So check us out. And this is uh, your like monthly reminder that um, if you have not... Uh, subscribed and rated wherever you're listening it really does mean the world to us we love to uh read your reviews and it also helps us uh if you like the podcast it helps us get new listeners and to become bigger and bigger and to give you more uh wonderful content so please rate and subscribe and uh we will see you next time so until then stay spoopy and remember you should say his name i dare you Candyman. 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 Don't. Don't say that. My Spooky Gay Family features music by Nate Walker, artwork by David Alon, and this episode contains clips from Candyman, distributed by Universal Pictures 2021. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, leave us a nice message, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Patreon, and YouTube. My Spooky Gay Family is a product of Barbara Duel Productions. Barbara Duel Productions.